Acts chapter number 4, as we continue our study on prayer. Thank you for praying for us this Sunday as we were away, and I do appreciate it. God really helped some people, and the Lord surely blessed up at the first church in Kings, uh, Crossville, I'm sorry, and uh, the Lord truly blessed us, and uh, we sure did have a good time in the Lord. So Acts chapter number 4 tonight. I want to begin reading with the Lord being our helper, starting along about verse number 23. Let's stand together for the reading of his word and prayer for the message tonight, if you're able. The Bible says there in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 23, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold. And laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Hoseas, whose by apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. I want you to look at the importance tonight. By the way of this Bible study of a praying church. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for this opportunity once again coming to you. Throne, dear God, with the Lord prayer and praise upon our lips. Lord, we thank you for what we've already heard and what you've already done for us. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom to speak your word tonight. And Father, I pray that you would help us to do your will. Lord, help us and lead us and guide us through these scriptures. And we'll love you and praise you. For all that you do, in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated tonight. 
There's only one real problem in the church these days, and that's the prayer life of the church. Now, we could uh, sit here tonight and we could talk about many problems that our church has or another church may have. Uh, there's many problems that lies in churches and in the lives of people. It could be from getting the lost people to attend the services or securing real spiritual results from the ministry. Finding the right leaders and for the activities that need to be undertaken in the churches. Some people in some churches have the problems of finances or the problem created by the lack of love and of unity for one another. That seems to have a problem prevailing. But these are all secondary tonight and are almost superficial. For if we can get one thing correct tonight, the real problem is the prayer of the church. The real true problem is the church praying the way that it should pray. I mean, when we get to praying for the lost and when we get to praying for the pastor, when we get to praying for the entities of the church, the song leaders, the choir, the sound people, the Sunday school teachers for the lost, whoever it may be that is involved inside the church, when we begin to sincerely pray for the church, things begin to happen and the other things will correct itself. Uh, there may be times when uh, uh, churches go through deep, desperate troubles in their finances. I'm glad that I can say tonight we're in pretty good shape. Could we be a whole lot better? Yes, we could be. But I'm here to tell you tonight, it takes prayer. It takes prayer. It takes prayer asking God to bless our finances. It takes prayer to ask God to bless our Sunday school teachers and Sunday school program. It takes prayer uh, to ask the Lord to, uh, to help and touch each and every leader in our church tonight. You see, the real problem comes from not being a prayerful church. All of our difficulties will melt away if our prayer life for the church uh, is made vital and becomes vital and it is vital and necessary and the power source of the church. If we can revive tonight our prayer life, uh, it is the very life of the church. If we can revive it, uh, we'll see an increase in membership. You'll see an increase in your worship. You'll in see an increase in church activities. You'll see an increase in better sermons preached no matter who stands behind the desk. You'll see things change uh, and change effectively and differently if we can pray about those situations tonight. We need to pray for one another. Uh, not only just the sick, but pray for those that are well. Uh, not only do we need to pray for our church, uh, but pray for those other churches as well uh, uh, that are thinking about closing down the doors, uh, uh, that are lock putting locks on the door never to reopen again. Uh, we need to pray that the God of heaven uh, will take control of those situations because the Bible tells me uh, that the gates of hell uh, shall not prevail against the church. Now that does not mean that a church down the road is not going to close the doors, but it means the church, you are the church, you, I, the ones that are saved, are classified in that scripture as the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against 
the church. That's you. That's the one that's saved. That's the one that the Lord Jesus is coming back for. And my friend, we should pray uh, for each other tonight. And as I look through this scripture, I believe I can see seven marks of a praying church uh, that are clearly indicated. If you can go back and get the whole gist of the story by reading the entire chapter. But number one, in a praying church, uh, there is recognition of the supreme importance of prayer. And therefore, there is a spontaneous desire. And what I'm saying is, uh, we know that there is a time to pray. We know and we don't have to be asked to pray. We don't have to be called on to pray. We know in our heart and our spirit that it's important to pray. And we'll pray, we will pray at spontaneous times and spontaneously pray with that desire of knowing that things can get done for the glory of God if we'll just ask Him and He will help us. You see, there's things that has to take place in the church. There has to be finances that come in uh, for the church to continue to reach people. Uh, there has to be a moving of God within our services that will touch the hearts of those that are lost. Uh, that will bring them to an altar of prayer to where they can be saved before it's everlasting too late. These people that are preparing for Bible school uh, are going to need our prayer for next week. And there were several kids saved last year uh, during our Bible school. And I hope and pray that it is a prayer of yours tonight uh, of that there is more saved this coming week. Uh, Peter and John had been in prison and, and released uh, and then all of a sudden the, the Christians in Jerusalem had reported on all that had happened and then when the Christians heard Peter and John's report, did they hold a conference? No. What did they do? They began to pray. Listen, when we know that there's something that's not right, uh, when we know that there's something that's not uh, uh, good for the kingdom of God, we need to give it to the Lord in prayer. It may be a, 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 a physical problem with you. It may be a physical problem with someone else. It may be a specific need inside the house of God. But whatever it is tonight, church, we need to lay it on the altar and pray that God will have His will and have His way. In a praying church, we recognize the supreme importance tonight of knowing how important it is to pray. I'm talking about praying without ceasing. I'm talking about praying any time that you get the opportunity to bow your head before a loving God and ask Him to help in a special way. Do we as a church tonight recognize the supreme importance of our prayer life and praying for our church? What do we need to do tonight? Little wonder that the unbeliever does not believe in a living God who answers prayer where many of us have so little real appreciation expectations and importance placed on prayer in our own lives and in our own church we need to make importance a high importance in our life a high priority in our life of knowing that we need to pray. We need to pray not just for the lost individual, not just for the finances of the church, not just for the pastor, not just for the missionary, but we need to make all access to the church, pray for every aspect of it as we pray for one another tonight. Folks, that is the greatest need in our churches across this 
world today is to take time with one another to come together in the unity of the Spirit and bow our heads before a loving God and ask Him not only to bless the sick and touch and heal them, but to bless and touch the church. Listen, we need a mighty move of God. We need a mighty move of revival prayer that will stir our hearts to bring us down to our knees to pray that the Lord will touch an individual that is lost and undone. Folks, this is a world that is gone mad and we need to be a praying church. Not only for praying for those that are inside the church but praying for those that are outside of the church. I'm talking about praying for some of those politicians in Washington that have been shot. I'm talking about not only for them to recover but for them to wake up and realize what's happening in the world today and that they need a loving God themselves to reach down and save them because I'm here to tell you my friends Jesus is coming soon and he could come tonight and we got to be ready and I want to take as many people as we can with us but you can walk down through the local Walmart you can tell people about Jesus you can speak to them about how great God is they look at you real funny they look at you like you're crazy but just count it up for this I'm crazy tonight but I'm crazy for Jesus amen and I'm crazy for Jesus for what he's done for me on the cross of Calvary and as he died for you and I we need to see it as a supreme importance tonight of knowing that prayer is the lifeline not only of the Christian but also our churches we need to pray for every aspect from the financial to the spiritual to the ones that takes care of the babies to the ones that mops the floors to the one that plays the instruments to the ones that run the sound we need to pray for each and every one and ask God to bless them and ask God to give them direction but number two tonight in a praying church the eyes of faith are the eyes are of faith and are expecting God to move we're looking our spiritual eyes toward heaven you see, they turn their eyes here in the scriptures away from man and from problems and turn them to the Lord uh, who could solve every problem that we have. Tonight we've got to understand that we are human beings. We do make mistakes. I want to take my eyes off of my mistakes. I want to take my eyes off of a man. I want to take my eyes off the problems of this world and put my eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Because if my eyes are focused upon Him, I'll surely be in touch with Him. And whatever problem face us as God's army, folks, it don't matter about uh, the meeting, the time, the preacher, the man, or the money. Uh, what matters is this. Uh, is that our eyes uh, as a praying church uh, uh, go toward the God of heaven uh, who is our sovereign Lord. Uh, you see, God is all-powerful. He's the all-powerful creator uh, and sustainer and the one who knows the end from the beginning uh, and who has His great plan uh, of campaign which no man can hinder uh, 
You know, I don't know what God's plans are by the end of this service. I don't know what God's plans are by this coming time next Wednesday or this coming Sunday. But I know a God in heaven that knows the plan of my life, knows the plan of your life. And my friend, I'm going to continue to look toward heaven for my answers. I don't want to look in the Herald Journal. I don't want to look at CNN or Fox News. I know what's happening in the world today. It's all coming down to an end. Jesus is coming soon. And we better be ready for His return. Amen. He's a sovereign Lord. But He's a self-revealing Lord tonight. God has spoken here in the Scripture. And He's spoken not only through the prophets in His Word, but primarily in His Son, that Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 1. He's a sovereign Lord, a self-revealing Lord, but He is a seeing Lord. You see, God sees all, and He waits to intervene and accomplish His will in answer to the prayers of His people. It's pretty simple, you see. God knows what you're going through tonight. He knows exactly what you're going through. He sees what's lying ahead of you. He's sitting in heaven today, I do believe, watching each and every one of us closely. And as He is watching us closely, He is waiting to hear from you to where He can move and take action in your life. Preacher, you act like you believe what you're saying. I believe it. I believe in prayer tonight. I believe in prayer. I've seen too many that's been brought from the from the deepest parts of sin or the deepest bowels of sin, if you can want to say it that way tonight, and, and, and then be resurrected up a new individual and God take control of their life and make them somebody. I've seen what God can do in the life of an individual. I've seen what God can do in the life of a church, my friend. But we've got to be a praying church with the eyes of faith and expect great things from a great God that knows every move that we make and every need that we have. But many people forget that tonight. Many people forget it. And what do you, how do you say they forget it? Well, we turn to everything in the world for answers. We turn to everything but God for the answer. Hey, listen, don't wait till you got a, a negative $10 in the bank to pray that God will help you. Don't wait until everything's uh, destroyed before you ask God to help you. We ought to ask Him to help us every day. Amen. Number three, in a praying church, uh, there's an overwhelming desire to obey the Lord's commission to evangelize the world. Then you can begin to pray. And we can get to pray, Lord, uh, you know, don't let this happen to us again. But you know what? Why don't we pray that God opens the doors for where we can share the the vision of salvation with those that are lost? Uh, We can pray, God, uh, Lord, don't let it happen to us again. Uh, Is there a constant effort tonight being made uh, not to recognize or organize, uh, uh, but to evangelize uh, uh, those souls uh, that need to be born into the family of God? Because I'm here to tell you, just going through the Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago, uh, 149 names of lost people were written down uh, and are placed on that old rugged cross. Uh, Listen, if we could just... 
just get 25% of them saved, it would be a great accomplishment. If we could see 50% of them saved, it'd be a wonderful accomplishment. But boy, would the prayer bells be ringing in heaven and the joy of many angels if all of them got saved. Oh, preacher, that ain't possible. I'm here to tell you, God can save anybody. God can save anybody anywhere at any time. And I think we ought to pray that God will do that. Amen. I praise His holy name tonight. We need to be a praying church that desires that the Lord will open up the world to our eyes to where we can fulfill the great commission and evangelize the world in which we live. But number four tonight in a praying church, there's faith to ask for miracles. Uh, there's a many a times that I've heard preachers say, oh, that stuff, is, it no longer takes place. It was a, in the biblical days. Well, I'm here to tell you, when somebody gets saved, that's a miracle. Amen. I believe miracles do happen today. These Christians prayed that God would stretch out His hand and heal and that He would perform miracles. But some Christians today think that the day of miracles are past. I'm here to tell you the days of miracles have not passed. Amen. But the day of praying churches has passed. I know that hurts a little bit tonight. But we need to be a praying church. We need to be praying uh, praying for miracles. Uh, uh, there's many a times I've heard people say, Oh, preacher, why are you praying that? You know that this is over with. Uh, they've only given them a couple of days to live. Uh, hey, I'll take my chances with God. I'll take my chances with the giver and the taker of life. Uh, I will take my chances with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've seen Him touch cancer and it be removed. Uh, I've seen Him touch uh, many a sick people in my day and see them raised back up. Uh, I and I may not have seen them uh, uh, raise up the dead, but I do know some that have. Amen. And I thank God that He can still perform miracles. Why do we want to limit the power of God tonight? Why do we want to not believe that God can do exactly what He said? Now listen, if you believe you're saved tonight, then you probably believe John 3.16. You probably believe Romans 10.9 and 10. You believe all the saving scriptures in this blessed book. Uh, if you can believe that, then you can believe that God can still perform miracles. Even in our day in which we live, preacher, I'm here to tell you, even in the day in which we live, He can still touch bodies and the minds of His children, but we have failed miserably in our prayer life. We need to pray. We need to pray. And if you don't think we failed miserably, think about how often you pray. Think about it just today. How often you pray? One minute? Two minutes? Three? I believe that I read a study at one time or another that basically a Christian during the entire week, a so called God, blood washed, Jesus saved child of God will pray less than three minutes a day. Three minutes a day. I hope that we can get out of that norm. I hope that we can pray more than that. 
I hope that we've got. Listen, the problem is, is everything. We live in an instamatic society. We don't need anything. Everything goes great for us most of the time. And it seems like you never need anything. So our prayer life goes to pot because we don't have need of nothing. But I'm here to tell you, we got needs. We may not admit it, Brother Steve Knight, but we've got needs. Everybody in the house tonight has a need. I guarantee you, you can begin to think tonight, you could probably fill up a notebook of paper before the Sunday, uh, before the service is over tonight with each and every need that you, you may have lost loved ones that you wanted to write down. You may have people that you want to pray for that's been sick. Uh, you may want to pray for the church and the services and, and you may want to pray for uh, a particular need in your life. It may be monetarily, it may be financially, it may be physically. You may have a bunch of needs tonight, but do we? We pray for those needs and specifically ask God to help with those needs and ask God for a miracle because God is still in the miracle making business uh, whether you believe it tonight or not. Uh, I'm here to tell you, He still performs miracles. Amen. I'll never forget the lady that I went and prayed with. This has probably been some 18, 19 years ago. Uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and uh, she was going to have uh, uh, the surgery and, and have the cancer removed. And uh, she had done, has done all the scans. They had done, done everything that they had supposed to do. They had done lined up the date. And, and we gathered around her on that Sunday and we began to pray. We anointed thy head with all. We prayed over her and we just asked God to touch her. She had been praying and asked God to touch her. And that morning, that Monday morning, when I walked into that Florence hospital where they were going to do the surgery, as we walked into that hospital room, as they, become, they came in and the doctor came in and spoke, some of the strangest words come out of her mouth uh, that I had never thought that I would have heard because it was my lack of faith. This lady said, Doc, you need to take another scan. You need to do another scan. She said, we've been praying and I believe God's touched me. And that doctor said, you know, we've got this operating room. It's scheduled for this particular time. This is silly. We can't do this. I said, listen, Doc, I know the God that we serve and my faith may be weak today. But if she says do another scan, I believe we need to do another scan. And they'd done another scan and then the doctor came out there and says, I don't believe what I've seen. This must be a mistake. Let's go back and take another one. They've got the films mixed up this time or they had them mixed up last time. There's no way that this could take place. I'm here to tell you, God removed it before the doctor could and God spared that life and God performed a miracle. That's the Lord that we serve. I'm thinking of you, listen, I... Miracles take place. Miracles take place. Uh, my dad tonight needs a miracle or he's going to lose his leg. He needs a miracle. They said if they're able to save his leg, he'll go down in the record books as the only one in the history with his situation that he's got in that leg that it's ever been saved. He needs a miracle. But there's miracles all around us waiting to happen. All around us. But we've got to have the faith. And we've got to have the desire to ask for those miracles. Now is it God's will to heal every individual the way we want? No. It's not. Maybe it's not the will of God to heal 
someone. Maybe it's the will of God that he heals them by taking them on to heaven. That may be his will. But number five, in a praying church, the Holy Spirit manifests his presence and power. You see, presence of the the Holy Ghost depends on prayer. How many of us have prayed, and I desire to get, and I desire your prayers tonight, and I challenge each and every one of you tonight to pray that a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost to God will take place in this place here Sunday morning. Well, what does that mean, preacher? Well, you'll know when you get here, and if he does it, amen. When he pours it on you, you'll know it and you'll remember it. Amen. Uh, He pours it on you. We'll have a good time in the Lord. Uh, We have to be uh, considerate of the Spirit of God. And we got to understand that this right here, what we read, was taking place after the day of Pentecost. And if it happened then, it can happen again today. God can pour Himself into this place. He can pour Himself on you. Listen, I know Joe Floyd ain't the only one that God pours the Holy Ghost on. Huh? Amen? I know that that the Spirit of God can can help us. I mean, it's just more special when God shows up and gets involved in the service. When He shows up, Josh, and I don't have to do a whole lot. I'll sit down and be glad to sit down and get out of the way and say, Lord, it's all yours. You have it. And then that's when He does His work. That's That's what we ought to desire. We ought to desire that the, for a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost of God. That's what a praying church does. Uh, we'll see the Spirit of God manifest Himself in His presence and in His power. And great things can happen. A man, he may be watching tonight because they've got Bible school in Crossville. But they, the, the doctor said he had pancreatic cancer. He went back to the doctor. They've done the scans again and the test again. Guess what? No more cancer. Pancreatic cancer, usually people do not live very long with that. You, you're very well blessed if you can pull off what a preacher Earl Hendricks done, and God done it in him, of course, of living as long as he's lived with that, with what they had as pancreatic cancer. And of course, he was uh, delivered from that through the ways of the doctors and surgery, and God granted him that. But um, listen, sometimes God decides to do things in his presence and power that doctors uh, don't have to do. And sometimes doctors can't do. Amen. But let's be a praying church that the Holy Spirit manifest His presence and power. In a praying church, there's a mighty power in the preaching of the gospel. See what happened after they prayed in, along about verses 31 and 33? It happened when, when Spurgeon preached. People were struck down by the power of the word and multitudes were saved. But behind Spurgeon's preaching was the vile intercession of a praying church. They prayed. They prayed. I can tell you tonight, when I step behind this desk on Sunday morning, if anybody's been praying for this preacher or not, I can tell you. Because I'll have freedom to speak. I'll have freedom to speak the Word. And if I don't have freedom to speak the Word and there's a hindrance of some sort, I figure we fell down on our prayer life. I figured not not that we didn't study, not that we didn't prepare, but sometimes there's hindrance and the enemy likes to hinder. But listen, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And we can get it done tonight, church, with Jesus. No problem at all. Jesus has no problem with this world. Amen. 
I'm here to tell you, some of the greatest revivals ever known to men have started out with prayer. Conviction and conversions follow the preaching that is backed by praying church. Pray that God will use the man of God, whether it be me or whether it have been that 18-year-old kid that preached here Sunday or whether it be uh, Mike McCoy or Mike Blanton or Bob McCoy, whoever it may be tonight, when they stand behind this desk, we ought to drench them in prayer, asking God to help them and give them the words that is needed. But number seven tonight, in a praying church, there's great grace in the lives of God's people. Great grace. Verse number 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. What is great grace? I believe great grace is Christ-likeness. I believe it is seen in four ways. I believe there's grace of unity. I believe there's the grace of renunciation, the grace of fellowship, and the grace of liberality. When God pours it on you faster than you can get it out, you know you're being dipped in more grace. You know when God gives us grace upon grace and when people stand up and testify and say, you know, I just thank God for His goodness, His grace, and His mercy. That's great grace. And folks, we can obtain that grace, great grace tonight if we can be a praying church. We can see it in the lives of the people. We can see it in the lives that they live. We can see in the fruit of their lives if we'll just be a praying church. My challenge to you tonight is this. Will you do your part? God helping you to make your church a praying church. That's the challenge. Because, listen, we can pray for many things tonight. But if we can't pray for our own church, for God to bless it, God to truly move, for God to give the preacher the words that needs to be said, we need a revival of prayer. I have pondered and I have prayed and I'm struggling with something tonight of having a prayer revival. Of having a, a prayer revival. What is a prayer revival? All I know is that people get to praying. And people get to praying a lot. We may have special speakers to come in for a week long event. I don't know. But praying is the subject of the week. Getting closer to God. And listen, you'll know when you're praying because the enemy will fight you. He'll try to take every opportunity away from you in your prayer life if he can. The enemy will continue to fight you as long as you try your best to get closer to God. That's his, that's his business. But you just remember, the more he fights, the more we pray. The more he fights, the closer we get. And we'll have battles. But listen, we serve a God in heaven tonight that's never lost a war. Many people are losing battles tonight. They're losing their battles with the enemy. The enemy's pulling them back out into this world. But I'm here to tell you, by the grace of God, if you just increase your prayer life, 
within the bounds and the walls of our church. See, we, we, we've looked at many things. We've looked at praying over the sick. We've looked at the cooperative prayer. We've looked at secret prayer. We've looked at praying in the closets. We've looked at praying openly. we looked at a many things over the last seven weeks. I don't know how far we'll go in preaching on prayer. I'm reading a lot of books about prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm just God's just showing me a lot of things about prayer that I think is very, very vital for the life of the church. And let me encourage you with these words. I know pastors that have pastored churches and all over this country have had very, very successful ministries. I believe this church here is a successful ministry. This church is known all over the world. Uh, we may be small in number, but people know who we are. Not because of what I am or what I've done, but it's because of what God has done through you, the people of this church. And I've asked people, how do you build? How do you build a church like you built and be debt free by the time you have your first service? One answer. Prayer. 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 We fail God miserably in our prayer life, church. And I'm just not beating a dead horse tonight. I'm guilty too. We're all guilty. We can all pray more. And we all need to pray for our church. God being our helper, let's make it a priority in our life. Not only to pray for those that are lost. Not only to pray for the, the, the world that we live in. But pray for our church. And that God would bless it. And continue to use it in a great and mighty way. If you would stand. As we get a song of invitation. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Pray. Take that challenge that you're going to pray for your church. Take that challenge that you will... Uh, come about and, and, and pray that we'll have a great outpouring of the Spirit of God in this place. I encourage you to do so tonight. Because the Lord can help us. Father, in heaven, God, in Jesus' name, we love you. Lord, I thank you for these that are already gathered around this altar of prayer. Lord, maybe one needs a miracle. Lord, maybe one's need encouraging. Lord, maybe one's just praying for the outpouring of your Spirit. God, I pray that you'll bless us tonight meet each and every need. I'll thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for what you do. Amen.
to pray for, preacher, if I'm praying for my church. Pray that we'll be a light on the hill that people can see and know the way. And that Jesus is our Savior. And that He can touch us. Let's pray that God can heal those that are sick. Let's pray that there be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost of God this Sunday. Let's pray that God will save a lost soul this Sunday morning in service. That's how you pray for your church. Pray that God pay this place off come Sunday morning. Hallelujah. That's a miracle and a great prayer request for a miracle. Amen.